This time on Kawhi Fi Radio, Kyle and Kenny have been left unsupervised. Everyone else is busy with adult things and having responsibilities. Must be nice. No, it's not been nice because we've had the same ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle blows minds with facts about the Pluto anime. Yeah, right? So it's like someone's went and got Astro Boy and Akira and slammed those art styles together. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Oh no, I've seen it, I cannot. It's so answer. cool! And the boys have a hot take. I can't not recommend this. This is one of the big, like, this is a top anime of the year. Yeah. It's over 9,000! Configure the language logic interface for Japanese. Kawaii Fi. Kawaii Fi. Kawaii Fi. Kawaii Fi. Hello. Diddlem. <laughs> Konnichiwa and welcome. You tuned in to Kawaii Radio, the podcast we dive into the world of anime, manga, and Japanese otaku culture. I'm Kyle. With me is Kenny. Hello. We're old. Yeah. We're sleepy. We're tired, but we've had Red Bull. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're the last ones standing. Everyone else yes. is busy with adult things and having responsibilities. Yeah, it must be... Uh, must be for nice. I was going to say, must be nice. No, it's not been nice because we've had the same ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> No, it is that time of the year. Everything has been absolutely bedlam. Um, uh, look. Tis the season to go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So me and Kenny are the only ones who are available this weekend to have a chat. Sorry, guys. But look, I mean, look, we've been around for a long time. We, we, we can probably do this quite okay. <laughs> well, wait, what does this part do? <laughs> yeah, okay. So look, anyway, this episode we are looking at the brand new Netflix anime. No, don't panic, don't turn off. It's Pluto. Yeah. Um, this is the series based on legendary mangaka Osama Tezuka's Astro Boy. It reimagines the greatest robot on Earth story arc, which was originally written in 1964. Yeah, this is one of the just pivotal mm. iconic figures of anime. And it's been we, around forever. Mm, and as we've discovered in our research, the person who did the adaptation of it is also a pivotal figure in manga. He was mm-hmm. listed number 10 in the top 10 all-time influential manga cars in 2010. Yeah, we'll talk about this guy later, wow. but he's been around forever mm-hmm. and has... Ooh, he's done his, some good stuff. His catalogue is amazing yeah. and it is basically tipped me off to what the next thing I need to watch has to be. Mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. Yeah. Now, if you are new to the podcast, welcome. We do also have a YouTube channel where we share anime-related videos and interviews. More details on that. Come to with- our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Yeah. Fight me in the comments. <laughs> and uh, more details on that and links for socials in the episode description. Also have a Patreon where we share additional content, including the whole other podcast known as the pre-show, which includes outtakes, video extras, and changes. Well, chances to vote on episodes such as our annual Halloween and Valentine's Day episodes. Mm-hmm. The Valentine's Day episode is usually um, spicy. Steamy. Steamy. Steamed hams. Mm. <laughs> no, if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, details below. But let's start the show off with what we've been watching. I have no idea how old I am or where I came from. Daddy! Hey, guys! I gotta go! I just... I have to know! Hooray! I did that thing! Da-da-da. Oni-chan, What we're watching. Now, dear listeners... I want to introduce you to one of the weirdest anime I have ever seen as part of a season. That's saying a lot. Yes, it is. This season's strangest anime is Under Ninja. Uh... Now, yep. Look, it starts off with the jankiest CG you have ever seen. I've seen, I've seen, uh, what was it? X-Arm? Yeah, no. It's worse. That's impossible. On purpose. The janky CG is only used for American soldiers. They use CG elsewhere in the series and it's actually really good. I'm yeah, I'm confused. It's really strange. So, explain. Under Ninja is a series set in Japan in modern day. Mm-hmm. And the creator of it wrote the ser- uh, the manga series I Am Hero, which is about basically an otaku loser in the zombie apocalypse. His art style is very, I I guess you would say ugly on purpose. Like there is no good looking characters in his series. (laughs) So um, yeah, Under Ninja is just one of those shows that I started watching and I went, this is the stupidest thing I have ever seen. Why is this not listed as a comedy? It is. 
It's just not for the series for some reason. So... The ninja organization in Japan, which once flourished, was dismantled by the GHQ after the Pacific War and it disappeared. However, ninja still exists in secret and it is said there are over 200,000 of them living in Japan today. There's one standing behind you right now yes. as you listen to this. <laughs> Hiding and working in the dark in the public and private sectors and in all kinds of organizations. Now, while some of the elite ninja work behind the scenes at national level conflicts, the ninja at the end of the line are often unable to find work. One of them, <laughs> Kumagakura Kuro, who is living the life of a neat, receives a serious ninja assignment, an order from his superiors to infiltrate a high school with the latest equipment this is just weird hmm. so it's written by um hanazawa kengo and he man he's done uh boys on the run i am a hero under ninja is his current longest running one um he's just oh weird um I'm not. I mean, this sounds like a kind of a floopy thing, but I'm not really getting too much weird out of this. So, I Am a Hero, for instance, is a zombie manga series written and illustrated by him. It was serialized from 2009 to 2017, and its chapters are there's 22 Tantabons, and it's been released in English by uh, Dark Horse Comics. There is also a live action, apparently. The plot of it is the story begins focusing on a 35-year-old manga artist assistant who life seems to be stuck around his exhausting but low-paying job, unfulfilled dreams, strange hallucinations, and unsatisfying relationships. Strange hallucinations. He sees himself as a supporting character in his own life, has low self-esteem, and results in frustration. And then the zombie apocalypse happens, um, turns people into sort of, you know, maniacs. He's a bit of a gun nut. Um, he's got a gun there for his rifle things and, you know, he kind of just... It's like watching the most cringy, weird dude be the main character is probably the easiest way to explain it. And okay. Under Ninja's kind of the same in a w weird way, like, but it's doing it in a funny way. So, yeah. Also, the listing that is written on my anime list saying it's you know, a high school loner is given a part-time job of a lifetime. No, he's, he's like in his 20s. Hmm. He has been previously a high school dropout, and they've just put him back into school. Oh, to so do this, this is mission. sort of like a Netflix TV series high school student where they're actually like 20, 28 or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, yeah. you know, we're just saying that they're, you know, schoolies. Yeah. <laughs> also, Under Ninja is abbreviated to the UN. Ha, huh, okay. The UN is Under Ninja. It's not the United Nations, it's actually Under Ninja. They're a secret organization throughout the world who the rest of the ninjas are actually fighting against. Yeah, it's really weird. There is a guy who walks around who's got his, like, he's a hobo. His eyes point in opposite directions. He's got a breast milk pump, and he gives his breast milk to children. No. Yeah. Okay, no more. That's not a guy. Uh, it's it's someone in disguise. It's a robot. It's weird. I don't know how to explain this series. It is one of the strangest things I have ever watched. Um, you know... I'm okay. I've got other things to watch. <laughs> Someone who has reviewed it is, starts with Under Ninja shows teenage characters drinking alcohol, making it the most innovative television experience airing right now. No, it doesn't. They're not teenagers, dude. <laughs> You've missed the point. They're all adults. <laughs> I don't know if this is for me, man. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a sign and series. It's designed for adults. It's... Like everyone who's recommending it does say it's probably one of the most unique shows they've seen this season. It's currently on a 6.6, .6, and I think that's because the opening scene is that bad CG, and people just immediately go, nah. <laughs> but you did that for another series recently, didn't you? You watched the first episode and just <sighs> immediately. Kingdom of Ruin. Oh, oh, that bad, eh? God, no. I was going to hit it up. No. I'm I just, I could not. It was just, it was every generic, how can we make everyone feel uncomfortable and feel like, you know, this guy is obviously the bad guy. He's going to go and kill the lady witch. Okay, let's make him remove some of her clothing as part of that and beat her in front of a crowd. Wow, who would have thought he's the villain? I, like, you I don't just, need that. I just feel like since stuff like, I don't know, Goblin Slayer and yeah. uh, things of that nature, everyone is just trying to up the edge. Yeah. It's and, like they're trying to do more and more edgy things to just get noticed in that same way. Mm -hmm. And it's just, 
it's unnecessary. It is. It is. And it's just like, it could have been good because it, it seemed like it was going to be a um, really interesting sci-fi, but it's not. It's just like, it's it's a self-insert, clearly, because, you know, it's a power fantasy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it's there's just so much wrong with it that just made me immediately go, I don't want to watch this. Mm. This is not interesting or engaging for me and there's so much better things to watch this season as well like th- there's no shortage of good shows to oh, check I've out I've been destroying free run still mm. and Shangri-La Frontier <laughs> so good holy cow so good has no right to be that good either it's like it is as a kind of a pretty generic plot it really is mm. it really is oh, now on the note of free run are you up to date oh yeah how, like I'm not going to put any spoilers on don't worry but how amazing was the end of that conflict Mm. Yeah, like oh, cinematic what a excellence. power trip! Like th- this would have been episode ten. It's ten, yeah, yeah. Epis- Trust me, I've been hanging out. <laughs> yeah, ep- episode ten is mwah, magnificent. Um, the way the series works is there are little story arcs and there are gaps in between um, as they travel through the world. And this is, I think, about a three or four episode story arc set in a city that's out in the frontiers near the demons. Um, yeah. And everything that occurs in there and uh, the way you learn about the demons and their, the type of entity they are in this story. And then the way that the... And it's similarly goes out. It's a very creative way of handling demons. It's not just Mm-mm. they have horns and are evil. Yeah. It's that there is method to their villainy. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, I understand you. I understand what you are, how you are, and mm. why you are. And that's just what I I keep finding new things mm. about this series which I adore, which I have utterly despised in fantasy series. Yeah. I've always hated how elves are just human plus one. They're mm. humans but can do everything a little bit better and are implied to be immortal. No, no. Freeran, she acts immortal. Mm. She is She is uh, this timeless it, creature. It, it makes sense for her to be disconnected from the passage uh, of time. Just everything about this series, it Someone thought about this. I know. Well, I mean, this ah. is why it won all those awards. Mm. And I mean, I remember that that happened about three years ago when we were doing the podcast and we were like, this is going to be big. Oh, yeah. And yes, it is. It is the number one show this season, according to my anime list and all the other rating sites. And for very good reason. Yeah, I rate this in Shangri-La as high as possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know what uh, Tian Guan Sifu Air is. I'm guessing it might be a manoir that has come through. It's a second season. I think season. I've heard about that. But that's uh, currently in third behind Jujutsu Kaisen. Um, Tian Guan Chifu. Okay. Um, I actually don't know what this is. but No, it me is, neither. That's not familiar. It does look like it is a story from China. Hmm. Uh, web novel released on uh, Zhangzhou Wenzhou Cheng from June 2017 to 2018 and published in print by in Taiwan. Okay. Mind uh, tossing me the link to that later? Yeah, I might. Ha- oh, that looks I've, I've been uh, reviewing a Korean one recently. Ooh. It's great. It's uh, kind of an isekai. Mm-hmm. A guy gets stuck in sort of like one of those monster-filled towers which is teleported into mm. the middle of modern-day uh, Seoul, uh, Korea. Hmm. Except he's uh, been basically teleported to a hole on the 60th floor of this 100-floor dungeon. It's the highest anyone has ever been. Mm. He's completely alone, and all he has is his bag of groceries he was teleported with. Mm-hmm. And so, basically, he starts a farm. <laughs> he basically he takes all the veggies that he uh, got, and he starts like farming just, just the land. Just a farm. <laughs> yes, yeah. and now he's made friends with a merchant cat person who like bounces down to the lower levels to sell his wares, and it turns out his stuff is ultimate. Oh, no. Anyone that eats one of his little cherry tomatoes will lose, uh, like, a kilogram of fat. That's pretty epic. And, like, his food does all these kind of things, so everyone's just like, Who is this mysterious farmer? Where is he? He's on the highest levels of the dungeon. He must be a mighty warrior. No. No, no. (laughs) There was one I was watching which was kind of similar, uh, not watching, reading, which was a webcomic, similar thing, where it's also a Korean one. And it was um, the same thing. The guy technically dies, but as he, um, along with the other people, he is reincarnated in this other world where he kind of has to, like, survive. And depending on what your power is, like, everyone's kind of a bit cutthroat there. 
Um, it's a game, like a death game. Okay. Like the whole world is a death game. It's not where, you know, he's just in another isekai. He gets teleported into an area and that's the first zone. And if you survive the first zone and beat the the boss, you could go to the second zone and move on through the areas as it is. But he manages, he's in the zone when he the zone's meant to clear. And they're, because it's in that they wipe it for the next group of combatants to come in. Uh-huh. But he was outside of the reach of it. So he is technically becoming a voided object. He can no longer be controlled by the zone boundaries so he just Ah. leaves and goes up a mountain (laughs) (laughs) finds a temple there converts that temple into a new temple for um there's like a new demon god that has taken over the whole realm and the old demon uh, the old god has been locked away and he unlocks the god and starts spreading her temples around the lands Hmm. um and when i say her i mean it's it's like just a lady dragon it's not humanoid yeah so it's not you know oh it's another sexy goddess sort of thing no 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 actually no that's the same thing with uh the one i was just telling you is that uh the person who controls these sort of like game towers starts communicating with him and eventually you reveal that it's an adorable dragon lady Aww. thing but it's <laughs> non-humanoid mm-hmm. okay i'll send that to you I as will well have to trade. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's that's pretty good yeah yeah um i can't remember the no, name i'm just of sort mine. of thinking is this a is this a trope in korean um maybe it is manhwa is just I, wa- I wonder Cute, adorable dragon girls. I, w- I was going to say, I wonder if Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid is really popular in South Korea. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. She seems a bit too humanoid. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, I mean, she can turn into a dragon, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now, one other show we do have to touch base on, um, I'm pretty sure Tifa would be very disappointed if we didn't, is Jujutsu Kaisen. Yes. We have gotten to the pointy end of the Shibuya arc. It is... The, well, the Shibuya incident arc. Um, things have gone... Nuts. Pear-shaped. A lot of people have died. A lot of people got injured. Things are kind of going ballistic. A volcano just erupted inside Shibuya. Which is... So... That is an escalation. Yeah, it's definitely an escalation. That's what I have to admire about this series as well. They are not afraid to put the characters at risk. Mm. Stuff like this is what made Game of Thrones really popular. Yeah. Is that yeah. you didn't know if your favourite was going to live through the night. Exactly. And that that's, I think, th- this is um, with... Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, Chainsaw Man, and Hell's Paradise. Mm. They're that dark shonen trio, which where, you know, actions have consequences. consequences. And nothing is truly predictable. Exactly. Which and is, it's oh. a welcome change. Like, it's not yeah. to say that stuff that's on which isn't these ones isn't good. But it's good to have the variety. Yeah, it's good to see something innovative. Yeah, yeah. It's good to see a character go, oh, wait, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the shock, the surprise, because you're used to those existing formulas. To have them usurped is just, mwah, love it. But yeah, if you're not watching Jujutsu Kaisen, but you did watch season one, season two, first four episodes is a prequel, and then from there it is bang, mm-hmm. nonstop. So hey, you just like... Get into second season. It'll catch you up. Yeah, it'll binge it. It's good. Mm -hmm. It's good. Um, But yeah, if you've been watching or reading something interesting that you've enjoyed recently, drop that in the comments section over on YouTube or on our socials. We'd love to hear it as well. I'll Um, tell you why it's bad and you can argue with me. (laughs) It's always, always this. I want controversy. (laughs) No. no I miss arguing on the internet. No, no more. Wi-Fi Radio. So good. So 80s. Retro classics. Do you have any idea how long it's been since I received a Facebook ban? <laughs> long enough. Um, now, technically, this isn't a retro classic, but considering the story's origins is in the 60s, I feel like it's a suitable tag for yeah, it. Yeah, this is one of the granddaddy animes. Yeah, so we're talking about Pluto. It dropped on Netflix about a week and a half ago not, now. Not the dog. Not, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, well, it's not Disney and it's not a dwarf planet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, there we go. So, Pluto is a, uh, I guess you could say... Uh, reimagining is probably the best word of it of Osamu Tezuka's Astro Boy story Um, this is based on the greatest robot on earth story arc which Mm -hmm. was originally released in 1964 but it now has a murder mystery twist and it is not focusing on Astro Boy i.e. Atom as the main character and as of this week I have now seen three iterations of that whole plot 
Yeah. Because uh, I went back and I found some original footage from the 1960s version mm-hmm. of like the battle against Pluto and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And then I st- found uh, a channel on YouTube, which does the full like 2003 series. Wow. Yeah, it's great to actually see it all again. It's mm-hmm. a lot more different than uh, this recent one, this Pluto oh, one. Yeah. But yeah, each of them, there's similarities, but my God, they all bring something different to the table. Mm-hmm. This modern twist on it is extremely heavy. Now, before we go into this, we do have to make... uh, We're not going to tell you how it all ends. Oh, no, no. But it is a well-known story arc within the Astro Boy Adam community. But even then, Mm -hmm. how many people are fully up to date on Astro Boy stuff? Oh, God, no. Um, It's like people... Everyone has seen Astro Boy. If you've never read a Superman comic, you still know who Superman is. Yeah. it's He's got the suit, he's got the cape. Astro Boy is the same. He's got the little red boots, he's got the hair, he's got the big happy eyes. Mm-hmm. It's... Yeah. It, he's it's, an he's icon well of anime, yeah. but that's but even so, people aren't up to date on all the side characters and the plots and stuff this like that. This is true. So this was a manga written in 2003 to 2009, which ran for eight volumes. It was re- written and illustrated by Urasawa Naoki with Makoto Tezuka. Uh, Makoto Tezuka Osama Tezuka's son Mm -hmm. supervising the series alongside Tezuka Productions being listed as cooperating in development of it now Tezuka Productions normally do just the anime components but obviously being named after Osama Tezuka and being you know in charge of his legacy, basically, they are um, you know heavily involved in all of his IPs I mean, in some form or another. This has always been the case for Tesco, though. And like we said, that this is one of the granddaddy animes. This is one of the big, long-standing legacy animation studios. Mm-hmm. They've always been around, and they've always taken their work very seriously. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had uh, Dororo not long yeah. ago. The remake I mean, look, of that. I, I, I will. Wheel that back a little bit because I have seen some of the random thing Tezkas have been Tesca Productions have been involved in. I'm just there. There are some turds in there. <laughs> they aren't the lead studio of them, but yeah. So what they uh, get someone else to say, hey, can you help us make this? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's a lot of overlap with studios like that. So uh, Studio M2 was the lead studio for producing um, the Pluto anime, and that was supported by Tesco Productions and Genko, along with a couple of other support studios as well. I'm not sure I know much about M2. Yeah, we had a look, and there's not much listed under them, um, and none of it until this is well received. So, um, the genre action, mystery, sci-fi, suspense, psychological dropped on Netflix start of October 2023. Um, and look, the plot, it's, uh, it's different from Astro Boy because it's not focusing on him as the primary character. But that, Oh, that's the thing. I mean, you haven't got all the way through the anime yet. I binged mm-hmm. it. So, well, I've seen it all. Mm-hmm. There almost isn't a main character for this. Mm-hmm. It's it, an ensemble cast. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like... The focus will be on one character for a while, mm-hmm. and then it switches almost imperceptibly. Yeah, and you have no idea when it's going to come and what yeah. the consequences of this mean. I did find like, and something to note is that the first episode, the first half of it's quite fast, mm-hmm. and because of that, the second half feels incredibly slow. But that's the, to, to my knowledge, that's the only slow part of the series. Pretty Everything much. else has been pretty full on from there. Oh, it's. Constant escalation there. Yeah, but that slow part is to kind of provide context on what's going on with these robots. So here's the plot. Famous for his military service in the 39th Asian War, the legendary Swiss robot Mont Blanc is violently murdered. Humans and robots around the world mourn for the beloved celebrity, and Montblanc's popularity only grew in the years following the war thanks to his dedication to nature conservation and his loving personality. Fellow war veteran and robot Europol detective Gesch is sent to investigate Montblanc's tragic demise. In his pursuit, he uncovers evidence of a mysterious entity known only as Pluto. He also learns of a conspiratorial plot to dismantle the eight specialized robots from around the world who participated in the war. Racing against time to save those who still remain, Gesh grapples with his memory, morality, and a world full of hate, desperately attempting to defend the fragile coexistence of man and machine. Mm-hmm. Now, in the Astro Boy universe, all robots, like all of them, have the three laws of robotics in them. They cannot hurt humans. They cannot put humans at risk. And so for one of them to actually start killing both robots and humans... And humans. It's uh, the whole mystery. It's like, oh, is it a human and a robot in cahoots? Is it 
what's going on? Yeah, like, is it a human who's put their brain inside a robot, you know, outfit? Like, there is a lot of questions that come up and then are slowly unveiled throughout the course of the show. And then there's the whole motive. Yeah. Why? Yeah, and then because this is set in the Astro Boy universe and this is set, you know, after previous incidences have already happened, those incidences are referenced, but not in like a, if you know, you know way. They're actually laid out properly. Yeah, you're given flashbacks, you're given information, you're given... A lot of clues. It's, it's mm. done the whole murder mystery thing very well. And this is the thing. It's not one of those shows where you need prior reading. If you've never watched Astro Boy at all, you can watch this and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's it's really well done. Um, but as I said, that first, the just bear with the first episode because these are hour-long episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the second half of episode one, you're just going to be like, is it going to be like this for the rest of it? No, it's not. This is just to kind of show you the difference in what these robots and characters did after the war and how they're trying to, I guess, find their own cause, their own purpose. Um, So it's a little bit slow and it's to do with the musician and a butler and you're just kind of a bit like, what? (laughs) I I found that whole bit interesting. Yeah, it's just a very sharp tonal switch, isn't Mm. it? So... So I was to show the relationship between man and machine, basically. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So, as we mentioned, this is a series based on Tesca's Astro Boy. And the Pluto manga was written based on that um, with direct, you know, work uh, connecting to those around it. Um, who, those who had the IP and making sure it was, you know, supervised and looked after. So, the Pluto manga was a critical and commercial success. It won several awards, including the ninth Tezuka Osamu Cultural Prize. It has sold over 8.5 million copies. Mm-hmm. Now, Naoki, the uh, writer and uh, writer and artist, has been called one of the artists that changed the history of manga, and he has also won numerous awards, including the Shogaku Manga Award three times the Tezka Award twice, and the Kodansha Manga Awards once. So for much of his career, and this started in 1981, he has worked on two anime series simultaneously at a time. That's like considering how exhausting weekly series are for people to be working on two simultaneously as writer and artist. He's like as prolific as Tezka. I mean, consider his history. Consider where he started. Yeah. So he's the creator and illustrator of several internationally acclaimed manga, including the sports series Yawara, Monster, Mm. which is on our to-watch list and we'll definitely be covering next year. That's on my to-watch list tonight. Yeah. And 20th Century Boys as well. Another one we need to have a look at. I saw the live action for that on SBS years ago. Mm-hmm. Now, as of December 2021, he has sold 140 million copies of his works. There, well, 140 million copies of his works were in circulation. That was prior to the international release of Pluto on Dark Horse Comics. Mm. So that's probably closer to one. 70 potentially 180 million um so with his drawing style it's kind of reminiscent of tesca and i didn't realize this until i read it otomo katsuhiro akira the creator of akira holy hells what yeah oh wow you now that you've heard it you can see it i've never made that connection but it looks like it doesn't it Ah. Yeah, right? So it's like someone's went and got like Astro Boy and Akira and slammed those art styles together. Yeah, uh, that's... That's exactly what it is. Oh, no, I have seen it. I cannot... It's so cool. And that's why it has that old school feel to it, Um, even though it's a modern adaptation. Urasawa, he uh, reinterprets the story as kind of a suspenseful murder mystery starring Gesh, the Europol uh, robot detective, and he's trying to solve the string of robot and human deaths, each of them having horns attached once they've been killed. Now, that yeah. might be made out of, you know, wood that was found nearby from Sticks, a destroyed branches, building, stone. Uh, pieces of metal, mm. but... That, that's the fixture. Every single one of them has two horns sticking out from either side of their head, almost like antlers. He's then trying to solve that mystery and go, okay, who could be next? We know that um, the first person, um, it's kind of like one robot is defeated, then one human is defeated. And each of them have a connection to these eight great robots in some shape or form. And not just them, but to an incident that basically sparked the uh, last big war mm-hmm. and basically revealed, like, uh, made it so that non combat robot, like, combat robots were no longer to be made. Yeah. Mass destruction robots could not be made anymore, mm-hmm. as agreed upon by the whole world, because yeah. the conflict was so bloody. Mm-hmm. But. 
Oh, the way they actually talk about the uh, lead up to that war is very... It's very reminiscent to the conflicts in the Middle East from the early 2000s. Yeah. from yeah. Uh, So that'll be heavy. Yeah, that'll be heavy, especially if you're a US listener. And if you consider um, when these manga were written... Yeah, 2003 you, to 2009. You can only really assume that a lot of inspiration was taken. Yeah. So look, and just okay, but obviously yeah, a bit of a, a minor trigger warning there they for you. Treat that thing with all of the gravitas and heavy-handedness that is deserved. They yeah. do. They handle not it make light of it. Mm-hmm. Now, um, Takashi Nagasaki is credited as, as the anime series co, well, the manga series co-author, and um, between himself, uh, Urasawa, and. Uh, Mac- Makoto Tezuka, Osama Tezuka's son, they supervised the series with Tezuka Productions listed as being uh, a cooperative producer in it. Now, it sounds like they were a lot more involved than standard production companies because of the IP considerations. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. Astro Boy is their baby. It is, it is. And, you know, they've got to look after that heritage and that, you know, what has come before, especially considering it's their founder. Mm -hmm. Um, And it sounds like... They're very happy with how this has turned out. And I've got to admit, like, I've said this many times in the podcast, I'm not a fan of Netflix anime. And that's because... For good reason. For good reason. Like, there's often a lot of messy stuff. But this is... It looks like... Netflix I, I, I'm going to knock on some wood and say, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Netflix is starting to learn. I don't know. I think... Yeah, this was produced by others. I think this was merely distributed by Netflix. I think they may have bought the exclusive rights and contributed financially to the production of it. Maybe the pro- the project was already there and they got in early. Let's hope. Yeah, let's yeah. hope that Netflix is learning something because... Because this is the right way to do it. Netflix yeah. shouldn't be producing stuff in-house unless it's a live-action, like series and, and even then even then but like th- this is what and they should be doing besides they they'll be, just cancel it after one season well, yeah this is what they should be doing they should be collaborating directly with studios with existing ip holders with you know the old school production houses and working with them so that they then own the exclusive rights for the project they produce mm-hmm. they shouldn't be going in and being the director because we've seen time and time again every time netflix puts their fingers in on ip they stuff it up because they will hire you know a room full of writers who never have talked to one another and, and have each one of them do a separate episode and half of them have never even touched the ip they're dealing with yeah and this is part of the issue the reason there were the strikes for um sag after and all that in the u.s because the work was becoming so chaotic so unreliable and the pro you know the actual finalized project was coming out as a mess because they weren't having a dedicated lead writer to coordinate people because they were cost cutting Mm-hmm. They can cut. They can cut costs in other ways. They cannot do the development. Like, leave it to the studios that know what they're doing. And if there's a project that you really want to create, then invest that money into it. Mm-hmm. But you need. I, I still don't think Netflix has got the right brain for production. Like they, they don't. Which is not, weird. Not brain, if, but the, the right It seems set like of they started well enough. Mm-hmm. Like they had a bunch of great projects on the go when they first started. Mm-hmm. And then they started just cancelling them without reason. Yeah. Well, they were like, not enough people watched it. And it's like, it's, you've got to think about the longevity of a series. You can't just cancel a show because you don't see impact within the first week. Yeah. And did, did they learn nothing from Firefly? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, look at what happened with Stargate there is a massive mm. Stargate fan base and sci-fi cancelled it because the new guy in charge of sci-fi came in saw that there was nudity in the first ever episode and there was no nudity or any of those themes in the rest of the series and it was because it was a pilot it was an hour and a half long and designed to be a film originally and then they went he went oh, I don't like that cancel it it's like mm. in season 10 right thanks yeah so, yeah, that's why I hate Sci-Fi Channel, for that very simple reason that they're incompetent. Um, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, we're getting well off the topic here anyway. Oh, let's talk about the dub for, yeah. uh, for Pluto, because it's great. I was honestly incredibly surprised. I was not expecting a, a dub to come out with it, for starters. 
and I was not expecting it to be this good. Mm-hmm. As far as the word goes, diverse cast. We've got YouTubers. We've got big name Hollywood celebrities. We've yeah. got classic voice actors. We've got newbies. It's just they they pulled so, uh, like talent from everywhere. Yeah. Like uh, what of it? What is it? We've got our uh, Prozd, Prozd, Sun Wong Cho. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know this guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he voices one of the, like, evil androids. <laughs> He's uh, the one that's sort of like uh, the only robot to have ever murdered someone before. He's uh, in a prison somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's kind of like the uh, Hannibal Lecter robot that the yeah. detective goes and sees. And he is menacing. I love mm. I love his voice. It's interesting. Work. So Lara Stahl, Laura Stahl is the main voice of Atom. I.e. Astro Boy. And she has been in a lot, a lot of oh. Crunchyroll dubs. Like, it just keeps going down. She was in Way of the House Husband. She's been in Shaman King 2021 reboot. Um, she's been in Look Domestic Girlfriend. Catalog. Great Pret- Not Domestic Girlfriend, sorry. Uh, Rent a Girlfriend. Great Pretender. She was Dorothy. Hey. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about more on that later. Mm-hmm. She was fourth in, in the dub of Vinland Saga. No way. Yeah. Um, she's just a side character in Carolyn Tuesday. She is Ray in Promised Netherland. Yeah, like, she's done a lot. She's a good voice actress, and you can tell. And then uh, as Tenma, he's sort of like a uh, sort of anti-hero side character, sometimes mm-hmm. villain in Astro Boy Legend, played by Keith David. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jason Van Dyke, uh, sorry, Van de Break, is a voiceover artist who is doing Gesh. He's mm. done uh, voice acting in games. So Cuphead Show, Fire Emblem Engage, Tales of Arise, Half-Life Alex. He's did like gr- Combine Grunt Soldier voices. He's a goblin fight promoter in World of Warcraft and a Lightforge Draenei. He's done commercials out the wazoo. Like... This is a guy who's been in a lot of different things and he's been a selected client for a McDonald's voiceover. <laughs> if for something is like what? Ah, uh, who was it that voiced uh, Hercules? Oh, because yeah. I've heard his voice everywhere in anime. He was from one of my absolute favorites, uh Ghost in the Shell standalone complex. He was Bato. Oh, right, right. Um, ooh. Is he Hercules or is he... Hercules, yeah. Hercati- Hercules. He is Richard Epka. Yes, that's him. Yes. Yes. Love his work. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's Daisuke Jigen in uh, Lupin. Mm-hmm. Wow. Zom 100, he's... Everywhere. Is he's the old is. dude in the hill. Um, <laughs> he is Yawech in Bleach. Um, Zangetsu as well. He is... Wait, he was Zangetsu in Bleach? Yeah, in the new one. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, I don't yeah. know if he's in the original. Yeah, so he's been jigging in um, Lupin for a while. He's a lot of characters in One Punch Man, mostly side characters. He's always a cool bloke with a gun. Yeah, <laughs> he's also the elder centipede in One Punch Man's second season, the giant ridiculous <laughs> one, which goes, nope, I'm leaving. <laughs> wow, going through this list, it is not short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I can get in that. He's he's been Joseph Joestar in Dime, uh, Jojo hey. Four. So yeah, like y- you can tell that they've been really thoughtful about the actors that they've brought in for this. I wonder who produced the dub because like, and this is something we talk about a lot. Like, depending on the studio will depend on the quality. I, I feel like you didn't quite grasp the whole gravity of it being Keith David as Tenma. I can't. <laughs> I can't. It's just it's he has just- such a deep and powerful voice. <laughs> Tenma Umataro. But it's like he's a supporting he's, character. He's African-American David Attenborough, man. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Dr. Tenma? Yes. Oh, wait. This is just showing all of his different voice actors, not just in the other one. Cool. Because it had Dorian Harwood originally. Oh. Um, oh. But that's uh, in the other version of um, like the other Astro Boy dubs. Yeah, yeah. Tenma. Yeah, he's like a pivotal... Yeah, Keith David. Holy cow. I did not click on that. Yeah, Keith David was uh, Anderson in Mass Effect. He's also the narrator for Princess Mononoke's dub. Mm-hmm. Wow. He was in 3 by 3 Eyes as well. Wow, he's done a lot. He's awesome. I'm glad they brought him back. Uh, he, was in, uh, he was in one of the Saints Row games as himself. As himself. <laughs> yeah, it's... Uh, okay, then. <laughs> it's uh, One of the games is you become president and just decide to make Keith David your uh, second... And 
I don't even know why, but I just adored it. Because <laughs> it's just Keith David's voice talking to you all the time. Okay, so I think we can find the dubbing I can, studio. I can't do an impression of him. It is You Know Los Angeles. Hmm. You Know. I do not. Patrick Sates did the actual um, directing of it and the translation. He has done a really good job. Oh, I know this guy. He's hey. done. Um, he's a voice actor. So he's a voice actor for Frankie in One Piece. Yeah, yeah. He is uh, Kurosaki in Bleach. Um, Ishina Kurosaki, dad. Um, Dio Brando in Jojo. Uh, he's in Fairy Tale. He's Jiren in Dragon Ball Super. Um, there is a lot of crossover. I'm noticing Bleach and uh, JoJo's a lot with yeah. these uh, voice actors. Now, Ayuno is a dubbing company based in LA. They were formed in March 2021 following Ayuno Media Group's acquisition of SDI Media. So they were previously had been around doing stuff from 2017 to 2021. So they're a relatively new-ish studio. Um, and then in 2022, they rebranded to just you know, so which is good. They have done uh, Pokemon Journey, the series, so the um, season 24-25, Tokyo Revengers dub, Battle Game in 5 Seconds, Aim to be Pokemon Master, so season 25 oh, yeah, of Pokemon, yeah. Kengen Ashura season 2, hmm. Pluto, films, Pokemon movies, Child of Chimera Month, it's a lot of Netflix ones, but it's actually the ones that are good on Netflix, which is really unusual. Uh, they did Oku, The Inner Chambers, for oh, instance, okay. as well. Um, yeah, they've got, they haven't got they have got a massive amount of animated dubs, but what they have done has been good. Um, they've done the dub for Black Clover's film, which is coming out. I mean, Netflix. like you said, we, they were this uh, company was formed in 2021, so they've mm-hmm. only been around a while, but uh, from what I can see on that list, pretty decent pedigree. Yeah, they've... It's actually pretty impressive. Like it's quite limited the um, list of shows that they've done, but all of these I know are not ones that you talk about in like bad terms. Like they did Big Mouth, for instance. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yeah, look fair. Um, <laughs> but considering the quality of the dubbing is really good. Yeah, fair enough. Like for the content, it it works. It works. But yeah, they've got a pretty decent pool. Holy cow! Actually, I can't even. I'm, I'm going to stop trying to scroll that pool. It's longer than the rest of the things. But yeah, so they're a relatively young studio, but the work that they have done hasn't been bad. And that's been reflected with Pluto because it's been good as well. Mm-hmm. So go figure. Um, so yeah, honestly, like if you put subtitles on with the dub, you can see how it's been changed slightly, but the same content is being said just in slightly different orders in some space to match the... as the voice actors like to say the mouth flaps yeah to be fair that happens often in uh dubbing it's no big deal it's no big deal in the grand scheme of things it's only a big deal when they go ahead and change what is being said yeah funimation looking at you funimation looking at you funimation um anyway so pluto i can't not recommend this this is one of the big like this is a top anime of the year. Yeah, this has been like in production for 10 years. Like ever since the manga started going, it was successful. Everyone, wow. Mm. Okay, this needs, you know, to be converted into Because it anime. was a far grittier, more adult spin on that whole uh, arc mm-hmm. in the story. And it's just, like, regardless, like you said, regardless of if you've ever picked up Astro Boy or not, this sets you yeah. up, this speaks to you. It really this treats does. you like an adult. It does. And it's really well done in that regard, too. Mm-hmm. The anime adaptation um, was announced in 2017 that it was in production. Wow. So that gives you six years for um, from announcement of production, meaning it would probably be you know, actually in production and preparation for two to three years prior to that. Um, but yeah, it just uh, sounds like it just got hit by delay, delay, delay. Um, uh, it's been a hell of a decade, so I don't blame them. Yeah. <laughs> they would have been right in the middle what of the storm. It, what a decade. Um, it has a stage play adaptation. <laughs> what? Yeah. Uh, um, that's... Okay, but... So the action scenes are few, but, like, you know, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. this is a boring anime, but the action scenes are... Mm, We've already got some interesting... Um, they're not many, but I can't actually envision how they do that on a stage. Oh, overlays and stuff. But anyway, um, this was done in 2018 in London. 
The show may appeal what? to manga devotees and is clearly on the side of good in its plea for a world free from hate, but for all its technical skill, it never engages us emotionally, never explains how we create a world in which the humans and robots usefully coexist. So it, considering, okay. considering that you've got eight volumes to go through and that would have probably been a three-hour stage show, yeah, that that's fair. Okay, and to be fair... I feel like if someone came up with the answer for that, we'd all not be really questioning it anymore, would we? Mm, it's mm. one of those big ph- philosophical things. It's one of those unanswerable questions. It's like, basically, how do we update human nature? Mm. If it had been answered, then the world would be a much more different place. I feel like mm. saying that the uh, stage play doesn't in- like answer that question is... I feel like that is a limited perspective. It's about yeah. asking the question and looking at it from another perspective. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting because it seems everyone really likes the store, uh, the manga when you have a look at it. And hmm. um, but the only negative I've spotted in the list of reviews is one by Anime News Network where they said like Volume Seven felt the story got a lot more enjoyable with all the loose ends tied up and said Urasawa did a fine job at integrating Tezuka's designs with his own style but he did write that Urasawa continues to add pointless little flourishes to the story including a reference to Pinocchio a creepy little children's song a symbolic crack in a wall it probably ha- all all has some kind of thematic those unity in his brief. head yeah I don't know why no no that's the thing it's like those didn't take away from the plot at all exactly you've got to add in your more, your own flair instead of just doing the same thing and however he strongly praised the final volume saying it works on every level with philosophical points of war and humanity and artificial intelligence the feelings of love hate hope and despair that tug at the heart maybe he just doesn't like Pinocchio that could be because that's the only negative I see in this entire wall of text. <laughs> like um, the anime adaptation, as we which we're talking about, has just come out and has already received positive reviews from critics. Slash film compared the complexity of car- and characters to the celebrated graphic novel Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So that's, I can see that. that's pretty good. Paste magazine applauded the story's uh, fresh take on themes first introduced in Isaac Asimov's Laws of Robotics, and Polygon called Pluto one of the best sci-fi murder mysteries you can watch. Well, to be fair, there's a, there's a few and far but, between. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean there's a few and far between, but that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I think it, it kind of... Yeah. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> we, we, we're kind of... That's the short of it. Go and watch it. It's on Netflix. It is eight hours all up. Um, but, you know, if you're watching it on Netflix, you can pause it and then resume it later mm-hmm. when you get to a point where you're like, I need a break. Just, as I said, remember the second half of that... Um, first episode is a little bit slow you can probably skip forward about five minutes i enjoyed it but it's not going to be for everyone it is very much looking at like how does a robot appreciate things that it has no human concept of such as you know creating music or you know singing or food and stuff like that it's really very deeply philosophical and it makes sense as it the episode finishes um but it's a little bit of work to get there and especially if you're not you know energized at the time if you're tired this is not the show to watch episode one of um (laughs) wait until you've got a little bit of energy uh, you know it's a weekend watch actually yeah watch the the first episode on the weekend when you've you've got some chill time uh over the new year's break um hopefully you do hopefully you're not like us and stuck working um but yeah so go watch it netflix worldwide dubbed in i think about seven languages at the moment more on the way that includes french and portuguese i believe Mm. don't know about german um don't have that all up in front of me unfortunately but it's high i can highly recommend watching it it's good fun it's really beautiful and it's just there's just something really enticing about it and especially if you watched old shows also not to be that guy but you mispronounced the main character's name a few times it's Gazik. Gazikt. I look there's a lot of letters there <laughs> I, I kept calling him Duhast <laughs> German for face face Gesicht hmm. is that right Gesicht yeah. Gesicht it's G-E-S-I-Z-H-T Gesicht Okay. He's a German robot inspector working for Europol. His body is made out of an alloy coil, alloy called Zeronium. Mm-hmm. Zeronium. And he is capable of firing a devastating blast using the alloy as a shell. Yeah, yeah he basically cool. converts some of his body armor into AR weapon. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, go watch Pluto. It's time for us to talk some anime news. Wi-Fi Radio. Tonight on Anime Communicate. Great story. 
compelling and rich. Nothing brings ratings up like a little controversy. Oh, we got a controversy. We do. High Dive is to end service in certain areas outside North America on December 14th. What? Uh, which areas do we know? We don't know. Have they just said that they're just going to stop doing yeah. anime in places? So what this is, and we were discussing this on the pre-show a little bit, I think, um, AMC Networks acquired Sentai Holdings, which includes Sentai Filmworks and High Dive, at the beginning of January in January 2022. Now, that acquisition includes all of the member interests from Cool Japan Fund Inc., which is a private Japanese investment fund, meaning they are no longer a stakeholder. Ah, uh, that's a problem because yeah, that's... that's why High Dive was bringing shows that no one else was bringing. Yeah. Oh, joy. So High Dive modified a list on its support page on Monday to state the service will not be available in certain areas outside of North America. Full access to High Dive's library will be available on the service's website through to December 31. Um, but uh, it's going to start on December 14th um, for some things not being accessible. Now, the company did not give a specific reason beyond that. It is the decision has been made after constantly evaluating the high dive offering and its area of operations. Now, as me and Kenny were discussing previously um, in the pre-show, this is not... This sounds like a business decision because they say um, they sent a update to um, Anime News Network stating that... Um, in light of strong demand for anime content around the world, we are constantly evaluating high dive business and are strategically focusing our operations. Now, this is the key part. On the fast growing global markets that represent approximately 98% of our current customer base. Hmm. So that means for whatever these countries are, they only account for 2% of their customer base. And what it's probably an equation of is that those areas, the cost of licensing their entire library in those areas compared to how much they earn is a negative. I can understand the logic, I guess. But, yeah. I mean, it's also making these things harder to access for people just encourages people to go pirate. Exactly. Um, but, like, if, if it's a case that, you know, if it, for argument's sake, uh, I don't know which countries they're, they're going to be in, but let's say for argument's sake, they are... Give me a random country. Uh, Morocco. Okay. Let's say Morocco is a separate rights area. And Morocco then need to... You will then have to license all those things for Morocco. You're going to be paying a fee. Let's, for argument, say the entire fee High Dive pays to license their entire library in Morocco is $1 million US. I could see that. If they're not earning more than double that, then it's not viable because that's a license fee, but then you need to have servers access to it low um what do you call it low latency access to it you'll need to have support staff for the region whether they're in the us or in morocco you will need to have a way to ensure that people in morocco can access it which means app stores programming deals with their internet providers mm. for access all of that's going to add up on top high dive charge what like ten dollars a month 120 a year you're looking at needing 10 to 20,000 viewers to support that. Which can be an ask in certain countries, in certain I countries. imagine. I mean, um, yeah. what, we uh, recently got a spike in fan base from uh, Lithuania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and from what I uh, did some research on that matter, they have a pretty small but very passionate anime community. Mm -hmm. But I could see that in certain places that if it was less than a place like that, mm -hmm. if the anime community was not so big... Then well, they would... it mightn't even be about the community being so big. It might also be to do with disposable income too. Oh, yeah, if you're yeah. in a country which is coming, let's be honest, everyone's struggling at the moment. Unless you are rich, you are struggling at the moment. Yeah. Um, because of inflation and all, several other aspects to do with you know the cost of living at the moment. This that around the does world suck. Has been horrible. If they're countries which were already suffering before we went into that, and it was you know they were on the border. What do you? What are the first things you get rid of? Additional expenses. Mm. If you you need your core things of food, water, shelter, and electricity, and if anything else is going to put those at risk, you're going to drop everything else. Pretty much. So it it's probably just a reflection of what's happening at the moment in the world. 
<sighs> Let's sigh. But yeah. yeah, it is what it is. And hopefully things will change after the fact for yeah. those people. Yeah, we live in hope. But look, um, if you are in some of those areas, please do like flick us some details over on socials um, or in the uh, YouTube comments section um, because we'd love to know where these areas are affected and we can then at least try and help you guys find alternative ways to access High Dive or other services in the area that provide it. Yeah, it'd be nice to use our little platform to help you out how we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, but look, that that's the, uh, that's the controversy, if you will. Hmm. We've also got some other controversy. Dun, dun, dun. But it's some good news. Dun, so, dun, dun. if you were watching ZOM 100, you might have realised we were short of three episodes. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole thing to do with that not long ago. Yeah, so the studio that was looking after it is a brand new studio, and they had some serious struggles getting this across the line. I don't think they had enough time for it, and I think they were rushed by the production house to get it out early. So... They did kind of hit a wall, it seems like. Yeah, they really did. Poor guys. Um, the good news is all three of those episodes are dropping on Christmas Day, December 25th. And that is a nice that's that's a, a good, pr- that's a good Christmas, Christmas present. Yeah. yeah. So they are going to be dropping on, by the sounds of it, Crunchyroll, Hulu, and Netflix, um, along with several other platforms that are now getting the fullback catalog. So mm. check your local streaming services. But um, I'd say end of the year, um, we will have uh, a lot more places exposed to the beauty and wonder that is on 100 bucket list of the dead it was it's been it's a great fun. series and like, it's yeah. not, j- just to clarify this is a parody series do not take this seriously as a series of zombie apocalypse of course stupid things are going to happen they're going to survive when they shouldn't the opening theme the opening uh musical bit is like a zombie dance number in the streets yeah with, it's it's with a naked guy at one point yeah it's not about a proper zombie apocalypse. It's about learning to live. Mm. <laughs> um, and that that's the whole jam for it. It's about having fun despite the bleakness of this terrible universe. Oh, you mean like the real world? Yes. What a surprise. There's something to learn from all of this. <laughs> um, now, this is actually quite exciting for Kenny and I. Mm-hmm. Great portray... Uh, great... Pre- the Great Pretender anime. Yes. Which landed on Netflix, which was produced by Production IG and Wit Studios. And it was, it's again, one of those rare good Netflix animes is getting another series. And not just that, its first few episodes are going to be on cinema screens. Yeah, in North American cinemas. Mm. What? So that's, that's in a, 2024. It's a pretty interesting development. Yeah. Now, this is a sequel. Um, it's called Raz Bluto. And I believe it's centered on one of the characters. So we've got a new lead character. Hmm. Um, but the rest of the people are all in the background. So, you know, they're, they're probably going to be there. Um, the anime staff has stated it cannot yet reveal how much of the anime will screen in theaters, but it will pr- announce that at a later date. This was all as part of the Anime NYC um, event, um, which was, geez, like... Oh, wow, that was, yeah, today. Yeah. Time of recording um, for yeah, the, this is, the update. This is news news, people. We don't normally get to do that. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So anime is slated for a 2024 release worldwide. Um, staff streamed the sequel's world Any idea like early, late? No, nothing yet. Um, based on the fact that this is the first time it's been officially announced and we're in November, I'm going to say mid-late. Hmm. Yeah. I'm going to say July, August. Yeah. That's, that's going to be my prediction. That's what I reckon as well. So let's, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Actually, that's, it's sort of a random aside, but uh, did you hear that happened for Dragon's Dogma recently? No. Uh, Dragon's Dogma, one of my favorite games of all time, is getting a sequel. Mm-hmm. And uh, its uh, launch date hadn't been announced, but then Peggy, the uh, rating system, accidentally leaked the information. No. It's coming March. Oh no! <laughs> Someone at Peggy got fired. Yeah, head's gonna roll for that. But yeah. these things happen. I I do not believe it was a deliberate leak. No, no, that's. It fair. seems that uh, it seems that Capcom sent them the uh, licensing information for age rating, and then they're like, okay, we'll just update that. No, wait. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um. Now, this uh, since we're talking about c- cinema, um, Gurren Lagann, its films are heading to screen in North America in January next year, 2024. Both films will screen in 4D, 4K, subbed and dubbed. Now, these are the compilation films 
of the series. So that's Gurren Lagann, the movie Childhood's End, which is the first half of the series. And Gurren Lagann, the movie The Lights in the Sky Are Stars, the second half. So each of them cover about 12 episodes of story. They are different from the anime, Mm -hmm, as in they mm -hmm. include different components. It's not just a quick cut. It is a full reanimation with additional stuff added. Gurren Lagann is fantastic. Yeah. This is one of those pivotal animes like uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. It's Mm. just... Ah, uh, it was just seminal for making what anime is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what was this around like? Uh, so the two thousand and uh, five six two thousand six. Yes. Yeah. Um. So the films was two thousand eight and two thousand and nine. They released. Um. But oh, I should probably double check when the series came out. Mecha with giant drills. Yes. <laughs> this was Gainax, but uh, basically the people mm-hmm. who worked on this went and made, made Trigger. Yeah. And if you've seen any of Trigger's works, if you went and saw the absolute eye-bleeding perfection that was Promare, mm. you'll want to see this. 2007. 2007. All right, yeah. So these films are now also out on home media, 4K Blu-ray, um, and digital by the sounds but of it. But they're coming to a big screen. Yeah, and it's to celebrate the 15th anniversary of the films too. Oh, wow. Wow, 15 years. That was years. 15 years ago, holy hell. I feel old. Um. <laughs> uh, it's just consider the sheer volume of anime that's come between now and then. It's just... I know, right? It's been a good ride. Been a pretty great ride, yeah. Mm. So tickets go on sale December 8th on Fathom Events. You can find all the details online on fathomevents.com by the sounds of it. Um, but yeah, if you just search for Gurren Lagann Movies North America, um, it'll be the top three results. Mm-hmm. So you should be good. Get on that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely worth checking out. Hopefully um, that comes here as well. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. We might have to hit up Luna and ask them if they want to put something on. We need to hit up Segoy, the new streaming company. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, well, the new cinema company. So we had a company. So we had Madman in Australia who um, do all international films. Madman had their own separate anime business, which established Anime Lab. Anime Lab was then jointly funded by Funimation, and Funimation eventually bought them out, becoming then uh, Anime Lab became Funimation, which then became Crunchyroll. Um, the guys who sold that component of it have went off and set up their own company called Sugoi because there are other films that Crunchyroll are not bringing international and they want to help bring them out mm-hmm. because Crunchyroll will only bring stuff that Sony is involved in uh. because that's just the way it is realistically. Um, so they have then Limited. set up their own company called Sugoi to kind of fill up that uh, integrat, that gap. Um, and uh, we really should reach out and talk to them. Um Let's uh, get on the horn to them after this. Yeah, I think so. Um, But on the note of films, Crunchyroll is streaming Makoto Shinkai's Suzume film on the platform now. You can go watch it on Crunchyroll. I'd love to say for free, but no, you need a subscription, unfortunately. I mean, naturally. Yeah. Um, So that started, that's going to be North America, Central America, South America, Europe, except for France for some reason. What? Yep, don't know. Africa, Oceania, Middle East, and the Commonwealth of Independent States. So if you are in those capture areas of Crunchyroll, you should be able to watch it. I don't know why it's not in France. What did the French do? What did the French do? Ding, ding, So I think in France, it's because um, it premiered in France, and I think someone else has the rights in France for broadcast of it. Oh, okay, so okay. maybe Crunchyroll can't get those rights until they expire. Um, so I, I'm not sure if anyone is in France and listening. Let us know in the comments where you can actually watch it. Um, film opened uh, January. Uh, it ja- I am struggling with words today. I mean, you didn't get a lot of sleep. I did not. The <laughs> film opened in Japan at number one last November. It opened in North America in April this year. And it has both a dub and sub. Dub is actually quite good. I was very surprised. Dub is actually very good. Uh, so, yeah. It, I was less surprised. I mean, consider this is a Shinkai one. Those are is true. big events these days. Mm. And, you know... This was a, like this went straight to theaters. Yeah, Box Office Mojo currently lists the film with a worldwide gross of 175 million US, which for considering it's a only cost them I think about 15 million. Damn, not bad. They would have spent more than that on promotion, probably. I wonder. I mean, yeah. there was only a few trailers for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was really good. It was really good. Highly recommend. And, I mean, it's a Shinkai. You can't go wrong. And uh, also in Crunchyroll Cinema News, they are opening Spy X Family Code White film in North America theaters in 2024. Should be in the first few months. The company Yay. will also screen the film in Latin America, Australia, New Zealand, and select the territories in Europe, including Austria, the Benelux, 
France, Germany, Italy, Nordics, Portugal, Spain, and Switzerland. Um, we don't know anything about India or Southeast Asia at this moment, um, but I'm sure that's probably already been sorted out through Japan's distribution network. Mm-hmm. Um, if it has, let us know. Um, I know I'm saying let us know a lot, but you know, there's a lot of information we can't get for, without being in those areas and you should seriously engage us in the comments yeah it's good fun and argue with me about something so yeah you got to survive the family vacation and save the world and it's uh oh yes uh spy family it's adorable it's great this is a original film i think so not based on the manga i don't believe it is based on the manga Hmm. Um, that can go either way yeah original story by original manga creator so Endo actually wrote it, so it's oh, good, fine. Good. Um, supervising the film, um, which studios and Cloverworks are again working together on it, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. Well, it's good to see collaboration, like instead of like competition, because they need to collaborate if they're to survive. Unfortunately, it's just the way things are. That's it for anime news. If there is anything uh, critical we missed, let us know because yeah, and that means it's time to wrap up. Yeah. yeah. Wi-Fi Radio. Now I'm going to have to go watch Gurren Lagan again. again. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Okay, so oh. Monster, Gurren Lagan, anything else classic I should watch? Oh, don't tempt me. I have a list. <laughs> I have a long list at the moment, and I might actually have time to watch stuff this Christmas. Yeah, maybe we just oh, get God. some brews and watch a bunch of stuff. I think we should. I think <laughs> we should. Um, that is where we're going to leave things for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, next time, we may be getting a bit digi. Yeah. We may be getting a little bit d- destined. D- 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 Digimon. Uh, the Digimon 02 movie is heading to cinemas. We're going to try and check it out. Um, we're going to try and line up a time. So we will let you know how we go on that. If not, it might be something else. So it's not Card Captor Sakura this time. Card Captors is next year, unfortunately, oh, folks. Um, because she fights a kaiju. Then after Digimon, <laughs> we have the next Ghibli film. Literally the uh, week after. Of course. So we've got to do that, and that'll be our last episode for the year before break. Mm-hmm. So we will be back in January after that. Um, now, if you have enjoyed what you've heard, hit the buttons. Do the things. Subscribe. Fight me in the comments. Fight Kenny in the comments. Please. Um, If you are listening on YouTube, hit the buttons. Let us know your thoughts on Pluto if you've watched it and uh, if you enjoyed it down below. As previously mentioned, videos also on there. I haven't had time to do it because of the nightclub event, which we talked about in the pre-show. But that's done now, so I can finally edit all the footage from Japan. Subscribe to the pre-show. We're allowed to say the bad naughty words on that one. Yes, we are. Um, As always, a big thanks to our Patreon members. If you would like to support the channel and get access to extra content such as the pre-show podcast outtakes video extras links in the descriptions members start from a dollar a month and that gets you access to the pre-show push the button push the button um now this is sort of a bit side side adjacent to anime but we're talking about this in the pre-show and we want to let everyone know that you can currently get on steam (laughs) half-life original for free it's it is a very old game. It's from the golden age of gaming, but uh, They're celebrating the twentieth anniversary of it. Twentieth anniversary, and a few people are claiming that the news about Half Life Three is buried somewhere in this game. They've been and saying that for years. Even yes, this update won't change that. I know, but. Uh, I want to be hopeful about this this time. Yeah, so if you're a PC gamer and don't own Half-Life, go get it now. Yeah, you it's can just own it. It's history. not one of those things where you play it for a week and then it cuts it off. It's just like, no, you add it to your library, it's yours. You can o- always play it own at Own a piece point. of history. Mm-hmm. And it's had updates to it to fix bugs after 20 years. <laughs> yeah, it's like, had what? bug fixes <laughs> and new multiplayer maps. And I know. It's... It's had more consecutive weird. players this week than uh, Starfield has Star yeah. ever had. It's just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So look, if you if you haven't got it, go get it. Free. Um, now, if you haven't already, make sure you join us over on our socials for you know anime news, memes, and videos when we get around to it. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, threads, TikTok, and Twitter for now. Uh, Twixter, twi- Twix. Extra. It's Twix. They should, we should just call it Twix from now on. Twix? Because then we can think about good chocolate instead of the disaster that Twitter has turned into. I like good chocolate. I love good chocolate. Mm. I mean, Twix isn't good chocolate because it's... Yeah, but oh, chocolate yeah, yeah. is good. Uh, let's get some chocolate. Let's get some chocolate. Um, and with that, we're going to go get some chocolate. So you've been listening to Wi-Fi Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, watch, watch some anime! anime. Mars bars? Mars bars. Mars bars. Uh, maybe. Maybe.